again, everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday, the 2nd of February, 2013. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. Hey, buddy, what you got there? It's my iPhone. I'm listening to my shows. What's on here? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm pretty good with computers and stuff. So you downloaded them using iTunes? No, I'm using Stitcher. M-O-O-N. That spells Stitcher. Oh. Well, how does it work? I don't know. Magic, I guess. I see. Did Uncle Pete put that on your phone for you? Yeah. I watched Spongebob yesterday. (laughs) He he and Patrick were selling chocolate. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a send voicemail tab. When you click on it, you will be able to send up to a 10-minute message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. We do have some feedback for the show today. This is from Josh in Texas, and he writes in, Tony, I like your show because it's a change of pace from all the other pro-gun podcasts I listen to, and I, for the most part, agree with you on things. But when you said that you didn't like a bill or a part of a bill that allowed a break on price for active or military veterans on a hunting license because you didn't see why they deserve that if you don't get it, I did not agree. I thought you were going to say you didn't care one way or another about it, and I would have been with you. But you went on a different direction. You truly don't believe that people whom are currently or have in the past taken gunfire and seen their friends bleed out next to them in the battlefield don't deserve a break on a hunting license. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here because you may have a great reason for saying that, although I would love to hear the explanation. I hate it when military personnel wear their fatigues out to dinner hoping for a handout or attention, but this is a different thing. Keep in mind, I am not active or former military. I have no close friends or family in the military, but the way you conveyed your opinion kind of struck a nerve. Otherwise, keep up the good work. I enjoy your podcast and sometimes wish I could shout out the words you're looking for. But the fact that your show seems unrehearsed is what makes it interesting. Also, I don't know how much control you have over this, but... Armed Ape is not available on Stitcher, so I've never actually heard it, but would like to. Regards and thanks for encouraging people to take action and fight the good fight. And again, that was from Josh in Texas. All right, Josh, thanks for sending that in. 
Now, I don't expect everybody to agree with me all the time, and also I don't get my feelings hurt if someone contacts me and says that they disagree. So let's, let's talk about a couple of things here. First, we'll do the Stitcher thing. The way that Stitcher works is that you, uh, when, you, when you're going to be placed on their network or whatever or made available through them, they want you to do certain things. They want you to run a commercial that mentions them. They want you to maybe put a banner on your website or they want you to do this and that and the other thing. And the way that it was set up through Firearms Cafe as part of Gun Rights Radio Network, which I'm a part of, it was kind of done through that. And uh, uh, so I, I do certain things. A lot of times I don't like to necessarily feel that I have obligations on, on the shows that I do or that I have to run certain commercials and things like that. If you want to listen to the show, and with this I'm probably assuming that you don't have iTunes because it is available through iTunes, you can always go to the website and you can either download the MP3s uh, from the website or you can just listen to them. Having said that, I know sometimes it's not the greatest uh, form of entertainment to just sit in front of your computer and listen to somebody talk. What's nice about podcasts is, of course, you can sort of take them with you. They're portable. Uh, But usually my shows with Armed Ape don't take up too much space. So if you wanted to download one uh, at a time or something like that and then get rid of them that way, it shouldn't maybe take up too much space on uh, whatever device you're going to listen to it with. So, having said that, let's go ahead and talk about uh, this bill. And before we get started, let's let's do it. Let's do a couple of things here. First of all, I don't want you to think that I'm attacking you personally for for sending stuff in. But we're going to ask a lot of questions, and we're going to go through a lot of stuff, mainly because. I'm sure that if you've written in with this or if this kind of struck a nerve with you, that there's other people. So what I'm going to do is sort of go through my, my thought process, and I'm going to answer some of the things that you said in your email. So first of all, I, I don't think this was your intent. Uh, however, you did do what they call throwing in an emotional red herring. When you stated in there, you said uh, you that referring to me, you truly don't believe that people whom are currently or have in the past taken gunfire and seen their friends bleed out next to them in the battlefield don't deserve a break on a hunting license. So when you're doing that, what you're really stating is that I don't have any compassion or appreciation for the sacrifices that those people made. Therefore, I need to be on the defensive and argue about uh, the people's experiences and whether or not those experiences and sacrifices are noble and virtuous and would be worthy of recognition and, and reward, and not talk about whether this proposed legislation is valid. So, again, I don't necessarily know that that was your intent to do it, but a lot of times we see that on the left, people do kind of things like that, especially when they talk about guns and, and wanting to ban guns. And a lot of times the reason that they do that is because their point of view isn't really able to withstand the scrutiny of using logic and reason, and therefore they have to fall back on emotion and feelings to make a point. So, having said that, let's talk about why I think this is bad legislation. 
And to do that, we're going to need to ask a few questions. And one of the questions we need to ask is, why do we have laws? And the answer to that is, is that we as a society want to protect the rights, freedoms, and liberties of the individual. Because by protecting the rights and the freedoms and the liberties of the individual, we, in essence, protect the rights of all the people. And you have to remember that groups or groups of people don't have rights. Only individual people have rights. Another question we need to ask is, why do we propose new legislation? And the answer to that is going to be a twofold, uh, twofold deal. Number one, it's to increase or to protect the rights and freedoms and liberties of the individual. And secondly, it would seek to redress past legislation that had infringed on those rights, freedoms, and liberties of that individual. But what proposed legislation is not to do, it's not to be used to create a class of people that will receive special privileges. You don't give one group more liberty than the other, no matter how noble the sentiment, no matter how good the intention behind the legislation. In this country, we should not use the legislative process to create uh, an elite, uh, privileged class. Uh, there's an old saying that goes uh, something like this. It says, whether you drop a boulder or a pebble into the ocean, they will both sink to the bottom. And what's meant by that is that the scale of the thing is not the issue and that the issue is one of right and wrong. So it would be like saying, I never stole anything of much value. Well, the value of what you stole is not the issue. The issue would be that you took something that you had no right to from another person. So uh, let's go back and, and let's go bring this back to the proposed bill. It, it doesn't matter if the proposed bill or the, or the, the law that they're thinking about making, it doesn't matter if that bill hands out a small amount of privilege or a large amount. It doesn't matter whether it creates a large group or a small group that's going to receive privileges. What matters is that it hands out privilege and it creates a class of people in the first place. When we look at this bill, it does none of the things that I talked about before. It doesn't redress a past wrong, nor does it do anything that's going to enhance or protect the rights and the freedoms and the liberties of the individual. So let's go back to the original reason stated for the discount. Because, as I said before, a lot of people would give that same reason. And that reason is that the people that deserve the discount are in a combat situation. So the next step would be to say that if the reason that they're going to get the discount is because that they are in combat, then the other people in the military that are not in a combat role, those people should not get the discount. And an answer to that would be where they would say, well, no, it should apply to anyone in an area where there is conflict because they could be in a combat situation, even if their position or job is a non-combative one. So those people would get the discount. And then the next step out from that would be to say, well, what about the guy that's stationed uh, at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas and was never deployed outside of the U.S.? And the answer to that would be, well, yeah, 
they would get the discount as well because no matter how remote the possibility, there is the potential that they could have that they could be deployed into a combat zone. Or if if it was a veteran uh, and it was and this uh, and they weren't deployed, the the potential was there. And so again, this would apply during times of peace, as well as in times of uh, uh, of lots of conflicts or in times of actual war. And and to kind of sum up some stuff here, it would also have to cover because because we could keep going down the thing. But what we would say is that would the answers to it would be it would also have to cover all the branches of the armed services. So it would definitely cover Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. And people would also say, well, then it should cover the Coast Guard, the Reserves, and the National Guard. Because, again, the potential would be there. So if we say, well, yeah, that's, you know, then all those people should be covered, then we have to say, okay, well, let's look at who employs the military. And that's the government. The military serves at the pleasure of the government. So, in essence, they're government employees. Now, I know this bill only applies to the military. And if, you, if you're saying, well, that's a good bill and it should be passed. And it should apply to all those people that are in the military that we talked about before. But should it apply, what about the contractors? Should it apply to those people because they're hired by the government and they provide security for military personnel and, and uh, visiting dignitaries? Is that okay for them? Should they be included in that? And if the answer is, yeah, sure they should. Would it then be a stretch to say, in a separate bill, that the police should get a discount too? I mean, after all, they're routinely shot at, and they are at a risk of of uh, risk for losing their life or or coming into great bodily harm. So, should a separate bill? say that, yeah, that law enforcement should be able to get a discount as well. So that would include state state troopers, so your state police. It would, inc- it would have to include all the uh, city cops. It would have to include the sheriff's office. Of course, it wouldn't do federal or stuff because this, this would be a state bill. And if you said, well, yeah, that's okay. Um, it's okay if we could, we could do something like that. I can understand that. And again, this goes back to the, the reason that was stated was because people basically were in danger and that their lives, the reason that they're getting the discount in the first place, uh, in the argument in the email was because that they were under fire and in a situation where they could lose their life. So again, if it's okay for the police, what about firemen? They risk their lives. They go into burning buildings. They are exposed to all sorts of things. Now, I know firemen aren't considered to be in combat, but I have friends who worked for the fire department, and they've been shot at, uh, especially in some of the crummier parts of town. What used to happen was is Gang A would shoot up a guy, and then the fire department would come. They'd be out there working on him. Well, they didn't want that guy to live, so they would come by and they'd take shots at the fire department, at the guys who were working there. And if police and, and if you say, okay, well, police and fire can be included, what about corrections officers? They're, they're going to work in a hostile environment, literally, with convicted murderers who have nothing to lose. So shouldn't there be a law or a bill for them, too? And then what about guys who used to have my kind of job, who are uh, probation officers, both for adult and juvenile? 
when I worked in detention, I was assaulted a couple of times. Uh, many people, many of my coworkers were assaulted. Uh, also, when I was out in the field, I worked in probably some of the most dangerous parts of the city. Should probation officers then have a separate bill for them? Should, should they all be included in this discount? So let, let's step back a little and ask, what are some of the things that all these groups that I've talked about, that I've mentioned so far, what do they have in common? And they're all government employees. And, and this bill and any future bills like it are set up to reward the employee, meaning that the state is going to reward by law those who will enforce the will of the state. And some people say, oh, you're kind of going to get off, you know, uh, too far down the rabbit hole. But what we don't want to have is the state rewarding its employees and giving them special privilege and giving them a special designation for doing what the state wants them to do. Because where does that end? And if you look at a lot of the stuff that our government is doing now and a lot of the things that they are seeking to do now, Why aren't they going to reward police or military if you go to a neighborhood and you can bring out 15 civilian guns? You know, things, People say, well, things like that can't happen in this country. Things like that won't be proposed. They're proposing wacky, nutty stuff in, our, in, in the Congress all the time. They're proposing things that they need to do away with the Constitution and start all over again. They propose things that the... The term limits on the president, on the office of the president, should be removed. They propose things that say the government has a right to look at your emails. They propose things that say, and as it actually has been signed into law, you don't get a trial if we think you're a terrorist. We can just take you and do whatever we want to with you. So to say that some f- stuff like this can lead down and further down the road can create things that can be used against us the people, it's not so far-fetched. Now, also in, in your email, you talked about that you didn't have any members of your family that were in the military and that hadn't served. I do. My dad served. He was in combat in the Navy. My cousin served. He was in combat in Vietnam. Lots of people that are friends of mine and co-workers of mine that, I was, that I'm real good friends with, they served in... in uh, in combat situations. A guy that I consider a good friend of mine is serving right now. And if they asked me, you know, do I think that they, that this is a good law that gives them a discount, I'd tell them no. When we talk about things like do they deserve something, let's talk about that. So do the men and women that serve in the military, do they deserve a break on a hunting license? I'd say, sure, why not? But that's not what we're really talking about here. What we're talking about is, do we create a law? Do we codify it into law and, and make it so it's written on the books that these that a certain group of people gets a certain privilege that the rest of us don't? And the answer to that is No. So let's go back to, to the deserve, the whole thing of the, do they deserve it? Like I said, sure, why not? Let's look at the places that sell 
hunting license. So you're going to have a place like Walmart, probably Cabela's, Bass Pro Shop. All those places are going to sell them. The price of that hunting license is not determined by Walmart. The price of that is determined by the state. If Walmart says, hey, you bring in your, your, your old military ID or you bring in your, your current active ID and we'll give you 10% off of the $12 or whatever it's going to cost and we'll make up the difference. So let's say it's $10 and they're going to give you 20% off. It'll cost you 8 and Walmart will make up the difference or Cabela's will make up the difference. I have no problem with that. And I think that would be a great thing. Just so that you guys understand my thought process, when I look at proposed legislation and when I look at even current laws that are on the books, I look at them through the lens of those things that I've talked about before. I look at them under the, the thing of, is this going to increase or protect our rights, our freedoms, and our liberties? Does it redress something that took something away from the individual? And if it doesn't, it shouldn't be part of the legislative process. Again, we do not use legislation to create elite privileged classes, and we do not use legislation to hand out reward. So when we look at this bill, what we see is that this is feel-good, do-nothing legislation. It will later be used by whoever's sponsoring this stuff to say, look at what we did for the troops. Aren't we great guys? But it does nothing to increase the freedom, the liberty, and the rights of the individual. And that is why I don't support it. And that is why I think it's bad legislation. I know that was a very long answer to that email, but I thought that there were a lot of points in there that needed to be made, and this was a good opportunity to do that. And again, this was not a uh, an attack on Josh or anything like that, the guy that wrote in, but I felt that it did offer a really good opportunity to talk about legislation and what I feel the purpose of bills are and the purpose of law and legislation in this country. I received some follow-up email from Ross, and Ross is up in Canada. And on a previous show, I'd asked about sort of the gun laws and what different people have to go through in different countries. And Ross sent in some stuff basically saying this is some of the, the basic things that people have to go, go through up here. And I had some questions that kind of followed up to, to his email, and then he sort of sent in some other stuff here. And uh, some of my questions had to do with things like, well, how long do things last? How much do, do certain things cost? Are they prohibitive? That type of deal. He writes in, Tony, please find attached the web address for the Canadian Firearms Center. And I will go ahead and put that on the show notes. The PAL or POL are currently issued for a five-year period. The administrative fee for the licenses was waived by the Canadian government until the passage of Bill C-19. Renewal fees for POL holders are $60 and the PAL $80, respectively. Also, the licensee is responsible for completing the form, submitting a recent photo, and mailing the package to the CFC in Miramichi, New Brunswick. 
Also, I am copying the hosts of the podcast, Canadian Reload Radio, in regards to the queries about spousal relations and their impact on gun owners. I feel they can speak to this issue with far more clarity. The three hosts are Andrew, Matthew, and Trevor. Hey, Ross, thanks for sending in that follow-up stuff. I will try and also get in touch with the guys over at uh, Canadian Reload Radio and see if they have any... uh, maybe a little bit more information on on some of the things that, that I had wondered about, which was if for whatever reason, so let's, uh, you know, the, a spouse no longer wanted to have firearms in the home, what would be the recourse for the person who didn't want them and what would be the recourse for the person who did? Uh, so, and a good example of that might be something like that. If you had a couple, maybe one person said, well, as long as we don't have any kids in the home, I don't care if there's guns in here once they start to decide to have a family or once maybe kids are introduced into that home, one person there says, well, I don't want guns to be around, around any kids that I have or any kids that I'm in charge of that type of thing. So, but looking at the website at the uh, RCMP site, man, you guys got a lot more restrictions and regulations uh, than we do, especially here in Arizona. A lot of stuff about how you have to store things. A lot of uh, what I would, considered to be invasive and unnecessary rules and regulations. I'm sure the intent behind all of them are good, but, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Of course, in Canada, I, there is no, as far as I know, I, there is no concealed carry up there. I know there are some groups that are trying to get it. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever will, maybe one day, who knows, uh, depending on what form of government you guys got up there. Uh, but anyway, again, thanks for sending that in, Ross. Uh, appreciate it. And I uh, hope to hear from you again real soon. Well, let's keep this thing about laws and, and restrictions and regulations going. A lot of this stuff really started once Obama got his second term. And that's when a lot of people felt like, oh boy, it's coming. There's going to be something. We don't know what it is, but there, there's going to be something. It may be more under the radar stuff. It may be a little bit more out in the open, but something is coming. And then the shooting happened, and we saw the opportunism that the uh, the other side, the antis, did and, and what they're doing. And at first people, and I've talked about this before, at first people were like, oh, well, something's coming. We're going to have to give up some stuff in order to keep anything. And then a little bit of time went by, and people said, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're not going to give up anything. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything illegal. And my owning a firearm doesn't, cause crime. I don't, I'm not irresponsible with it. And so I'm going to fight this. I'm not going to be scapegoated and punished for the acts of somebody else. Just because I have a gun that looks a certain way or has a certain magazine or has a pistol grip or is a certain color doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to own that anymore. And we saw this huge groundswell. But it's been a month now since a lot of that groundswell first erupted. And I'm wondering if if you guys are seeing kind of a, a lull. We've come off the, the peak and we're going into the valley. And I think a lot of people who were on fire and were contacting their representatives at first maybe have kind of slacked off a little bit, kind of taken a step back. And they said, you know what? I contacted these jokers all through January and, and uh, they've got the message and they don't really need to hear from me anymore. I don't want to keep calling him. And, and, and besides my guy, he told me 
he's going to stand up for the Second Amendment. He's going to stand up and represent me, and, and he's going to fight this stuff. So I don't really need to call that person anymore. Well, I would disagree with that. I think what that now is, is a time when we really need to keep the pressure on. And some people would say, well, look, you know, other states, uh, the, the governors are coming out and sheriffs are coming out. And they're saying they're not going to enforce this stuff. Well, that's what they're saying. But we haven't really seen push come to shove yet on that on those type of things. And, and, the, and the way that we avoid that, of course, is, is we don't let any of these new restrictions and new laws be passed in the first place. Like I had said earlier, if the law doesn't do anything to protect or enhance our rights and our liberties and our freedoms, if it doesn't redress a wrong to those rights, liberties, and freedoms, then we shouldn't support it. And we need to let our people know who are going to pass these laws, you don't do that. So keep up the pressure. If maybe you kind of forgot or you, or you let it kind of lapse a little, make sure you call them. And even if your guy, again, a couple of my guys that I've talked to have responded and said, we're going to fight this stuff no matter what. But I still contact them once a week and I still say, look, thank you for your support and know that we're behind you. And But I, my position hasn't changed. Fight any new restrictions that are coming down the pipe. Anyway, uh, I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. Keep up the pressure. Well, we need a good king to rule us. Like you, mayhaps? Yeah! 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 Be their king! No, man. I'm an adventurer for life. If there isn't a king to tell me to not start a riot, I, I could start a riot then. No rules, baby. Start that riot! Flip this table! No one can tell me no! Please, Finn. We need a king. Stop the riot! I'll become your king to save y'all from yourselves. We have a new king!
admit it. I'm a degenerate. I love drugs and drinking and gambling, and my moral compass always points south. Yeah! 